welcome one welcome all to another developer interview here on the xbox expansion pass today i am joined by tomaso de benetti of corn fox and bros here to discuss the just released on xbox oceanhorn 2 i am your host luke lore the insipid ghost tomaso thank you for joining me today thank you for having me I'm uh, so appreciative that you uh, are here, that we get to talk Oceanhorn 2. Before we do, though, I would love to let, know a little bit about uh, Corn Fox, uh, the studio behind Oceanhorn 2. All right. So uh, the studio was born in 2010, if I remember correctly. Um, I joined, uh, I think at this point must be four years ago. I, I have to check on my LinkedIn. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, I joined as a freelancer and then I moved to a uh, full employee uh, just last year. Uh, but I was basically working full time um, just as an external, which doesn't mean much because I was here at the office every day. So I've been involved with uh, a lot of Oceanhorn 2, uh, not from the beginning, but I saw quite, quite a lot of it uh, during development. Mm-hmm. Um, the company started uh, um, thanks to the, the three founders, uh, Heike, Yuka, and Ante. Uh, all three are Finns, uh, you can guess from the names. Um, and they wanted to, to run their own gaming companies. They've been working in gaming companies before. Um, the first uh, works of the company were kind of works for hire. They've been doing some games uh, together with Remedy, for example. Um, uh, one of them is called Death Rally. It's actually a driving game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, of course, the the tree and the name of the company comes from them because two of them are brothers. Uh, the other one, uh, surname, if you try to translate it into English, uh, s- sounds a bit like Fox, so they mm-hmm. kind of uh, put together the, the the translation, and Corn Fox came out. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to do their own thing. Uh, Heike, which is the creative director, uh, is uh, is very passionate about um, RPG, especially J- JRPGs. Uh, so Oceanorn was was the first uh, title. Um, they've been. Uh, working on together as, as, as original title. And that uh, would be uh, the first Oceanorn, uh, Oceanorn Monster of uh, Uncharted Seas, which came out, I think the first uh, release was 2013. Mm-hmm. So three years after they were funded. And then, uh, well, that uh, came out on many platforms. So uh, the first release was uh, on iOS as a, a premium title. And then it came out also for, for Steam, uh, cons- various consoles. Uh, I think it's on PS4, PS Vita. Uh, I believe it's also on Xbox. Mm-hmm. Probably you know it better. Um, it is. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been playing it, you know, like <laughs> it is on so many platforms that usually when I played it on a couple of them, I just don't check the others because it's, it's sure. always the same game. Mm-hmm. Um, it came mm-hmm. out, that title also came out on Android. Uh, well, and then while the the portings were happening uh, because it was uh, exclusive for iOS for a few years um, the team started to work on Notion on 2 um, and uh, well I, I came in maybe two years after the starting of development perhaps maybe three years almost it took five years to, to get it done so so it was a long uh, uh, it took a long time to to, to, to get it done. But uh, the team, when I came in, I think uh, there were f- 
I was number five, maybe mm-hmm. six, maybe. Uh, and now we are up to nine, I want to say. Small um, team. Yeah, it's a very small team. It's a very small team. Yeah. So, uh, so sometimes when people <laughs> complain, like, "Oh, why does it take so long to get the stuff?" It's because we're we're just a few people, and uh, we need to do everything. So, so um, of course, we have some uh, collaborator. Uh, the portings have been done uh, together with FTG Entertainment, which is our publisher, um, and uh, uh, we've been we've been using the help of some air, uh, porting companies. Mm-hmm. But in general, everything is done from this office and. Uh, I mean, uh, when you have such a small team, it, it takes time to, to get stuff done. Like, if you think that, I don't know, to make an Assassin's Creed, that they have teams that are probably in the three, four hundreds uh, at this mm-hmm. point. So, yeah, with nine people, it, it takes a bit longer. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. Uh, that size team means you guys must work really closely together. Uh, yeah, we are, we are all in the same room, pretty much. Yeah, and you were saying to me prior to recording that, like, you have a title, but you do a little bit of everything. Yeah, 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 that's true. Because um, when I joined the company, I was mostly taking care of the marketing uh, side of things. Um, but then because Oceanorn 2, um, ha- well, it was first released on Apple Arcade. And and then I took care of every release uh, um, for, for the updates, right? Uh, but then uh, for a long time, there hasn't been um, many news related to the game, except now that that it's out on console, so we can mm-hmm. speak about it again. Uh, but there's a lot of secret stuff going on here, and uh, if you're the marketing person and you cannot talk about the games, you need to find something else to do. Mm-hmm. So I am actually uh, doing also other things uh, which are related to the new projects that, that we are working on. Gotcha. Makes good sense. Makes good sense. And when you're in close quarters, uh, probably not too hard to lean back and say, hey, help, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, Oceanhorn 2 is but an incredible sequel, but in, in timeline purposes, it's very much a prequel to the first Oceanhorn. Uh, and it's the third game in the Oceanhorn series. Is that right? Uh, it was the second when it was released because, okay, so I have to admit that the timeline of the Oceanhorn is a bit messed. Uh, <laughs> the, the first one we released... Oceanhorn, a monster of uncharted seas. It's actually the last one in the chronology. Okay. Um, Oceanhorn two, it's the first in the chronology. So if you if you haven't played the the, the other one, you can start with this, and it's fine because it, this is the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to know anything about about uh, Oceanhorn to enjoy this title. Uh, and actually, it might make some uh, things that that happen in the Oceanhorn monster of uncharted seas. Uh, more clear when, when because the idea was like, okay, let's explain how we got to this point. Mm-hmm. And then in between, uh, we released also on Apple Arcade another um, Oceanhorn title. It was more of a side uh, title called uh, Oceanhorn Chronos Dungeon. Mm-hmm. And that one is more or less between the two. Mm-hmm. So you need to kind of jump around a bit with... Um, with the timeline to to understand everything that's going on, mm-hmm. um, Chronos Dungeon is a bit more like it's it, it has a bit less lore than the other two. It's it's also a, kind, a different kind of game. Um, it's more like a um, procedural uh, dungeon crawler, mm-hmm. uh, which you, you are supposed to uh, play beginning to end uh, in in, uh, in 
in one uh, run. It takes a few hours. Um, and you can play it uh, single player or you can play it with friends. So it's also multiplayer, a local multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And um, there are connections with the other titles and uh, Easter eggs for the people who have played the other titles. Uh, but it's not necessary to understand uh, everything. Uh, that said, everything that happens there is also canon in the story. So, so we are trying to, as much as possible, to to tie all the titles together so people that play everything uh, can uh, draw their own conclusions about, okay, this guy's this, and then it comes back there, and mm-hmm. then there's this thing. Yeah. So, so that's what we're trying to do. So Chronos Dungeons, this this dungeon crawler, but Ocean Horns 1 and 2 proper, uh, they're very much, and I know I'm not the only one to make this comparison, but very much they feel an homage to the Legend of Zelda series, um, but differently as well. Can you talk a little yeah, bit about so, that? Yeah, so, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's really not a secret. Um, if you go and dig into our blog, uh, you will see some older articles uh, even go into details uh, on the, the 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 titles that have inspired the Ocean Horn uh, saga, uh, Zelda is of course a, a big one. Uh, then there are certain episodes of Final Fantasy, uh, other stuff from Dragon Quest, uh, Secret of Mana, uh, the, the, the whole series, and uh, Mystic Quest. Like there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that uh, some titles I didn't even know when I joined the company, and then then the guys been showing me. There are also some more. Um, esoteric titles. So there was this title that came out for um, for uh, Wii called The Last Story, uh, which uh, our creative director likes a lot, and there are some inspirations from that. Um, but yeah, uh, I would say that if you want to draw a direct comparison, the first Ocean Horn uh, Monster of Uncharted Seas, it's uh, more of a link to the past, even though uh, the, the view is isometric. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Ocean Horn 2, it's perhaps closer to some episodes of uh, uh, Zelda, uh, such as uh, Skyward Sword. Um, some people, when it came out, kind of compared it to Breath of the Wild, but I don't think it does justice to a- a- neither of those titles because mm-hmm. uh, um, Breath of the Wild, like, I mean, the main point there is that you have this big open world, and that's not what we have in the, in the game. Mm-hmm. It is more of a classic Zelda experience, and I think uh, Skyward Sword could be the closest uh, match mm-hmm. to, to that kind of experience. I, I would say the same. I think the Breath of the Wild comparisons were largely due to release timing as well yeah, as... You know, like, I think uh, Zelda has been a series that has been running for so long that some people just don't know the older titles. Uh, could be that. Uh, yeah. they, they just see that one. And, like we, I, I even saw some uh, comparison now with uh, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, but definitely, well, while we were developing... Uh, Ocean on 2, Tears of the Kingdom wasn't even on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it is funny because there are some similarities. There are Sky Islands in both titles. So I wonder mm-hmm. if actually the, the Japanese team of Zelda has been seeing Ocean Horn. It's like, oh, this is a good idea. Let's put it in. <laughs> so th- th- there are some, uh, um, some things that are kind of funny to see. It's like, hey, this is the same stuff we have. Just uh, uh, now it's in a major Zelda game. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, there are uh, mutual inspirations, I would say, but of course, I I wouldn't dare to say that that, that uh, Zelda has been copying from us because that wouldn't be <laughs> completely fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's fair to say personally that Ocean Horns one and two were 
benchmark titles for iOS. Uh, Oceanhorn 2 was initially an Apple Arcade exclusive. Uh, certainly, at least to my eye, uh, technically two of the most impressive games at their time of release on mobile platforms like iOS. Um, and now, you know, the reason we're talking is it's been translated to uh, Series S and X as well as PlayStation and PC. Uh the reception that you guys get on mobile via Apple, Apple Arcade, iOS, um, I would think is different than the reception you get in the console space. No? Yes? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's an interesting topic because, of course, uh, when we when we are making the game, we are trying to think about all possible control schemes and uh, things that would work on mobile but wouldn't work uh, with a controller or... Uh, um, some aspects that uh, the mobile audience would be happy with and maybe the console audience wouldn't be happy with. So it's, it's a difficult balance because, um, first of all, the title came out on Apple Arcade. We knew it was uh, going to stay on Apple Arcade for a long time. So that that is our first uh, market in a way. And we need to make sure that the game plays well with touchscreen, which is not easy because the moment you have complex controls with touchscreens, it can get pretty tricky fast. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are things that that you cannot do that easily. Like, I don't think that a title like um, Tears of the Kingdom would work super well on a touchscreen because it is so complicated. Uh, I think it uses all the uh, buttons on, on a Switch controller. So when you don't have that, uh, it becomes uh, a bit tricky. So uh, you need to strike a balance between what would work everywhere. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we're trying to do. Uh, I think, uh, as you were saying, um, the title was really impressive. It's still very impressive technically on mobile. Uh, and I think Apple knew it because it's been uh, showcased many times on their uh, reels. Uh, and uh, I think we also had a couple of um, advertisements for Apple Arcade where uh, Hero is, is, is part of the advertisement. So so I think they really believed in the title. And we are uh, super glad for uh, the kind of marketing we got from there because, you know, you have one of the most successful companies in the in the world that is basically pushing your game. And uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people get to see it. And uh, I think that's what some people don't understand when they... Because, of course, Apple Arcade being a subscription uh, service, even though it's... Uh, fairly cheap for what it offers. Um, it, you need to think, okay, what is the kind of audience that that uh, would go with that kind of service? And uh, well, mm -hmm. now I'm a, a new father. Uh, I have a one-year-old kid. Congrats. I'm thinking that as soon as uh, he becomes a bit older, Upper Arcade would be a great investment because you have a bunch of games, uh, no advertisement, that they cannot accidentally spend money on it. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't have any kind of mechanic that is exploitative. Um, the quality is, is very high for, for what you pay. Um, and we are happy to be in a service that is so family friendly in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, we are also gamers. Uh, I have all consoles, I think, at this point. Uh, so it's not really a matter of, uh, oh, we are Apple fanboys. I, I like gaming in general. So mm -hmm. I, we want to play everywhere. And, and if we can get the game somewhere else, we will. Uh, but of course, then there are also some deals that that are made uh, behind curtains that we are not necessarily sharing with with everybody. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, 
I think I'm getting a bit lost here. I, well, I just wanted to say that sometimes um, people are like, okay, why do you don't release it for this platform or that platform? Mm-hmm. Or why does it take so long? It's because we have our reasons and we know what we're doing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's the main point. I don't think uh, it's such a foreign concept, particularly to the Xbox community, that releasing into a subscription service or having a timed window of exclusivity uh, can help game development or help teams get across the finish line. Uh, I don't mean this specific to Oceanhorn, but in general, we've heard of people taking a Game Pass deal for guaranteed money to get across the finish line to to recoup costs. And I think that's uh, now pretty commonly understood. Would you agree? Yeah, well, I, I'm a Game Pass user, so uh, I, I know exactly what you what you mean. Um, I don't know exactly how the the deals are made for Game Pass. For my understanding, interviews with uh, Phil Spencer, etc., um, it's made case by case. So every mm-hmm. game has a bit of a different deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the deals on Apple Arcade are more or less the same in the sense that we don't know what other developers or deals are mm-hmm. uh we just uh, we just know ours and mm-hmm. uh well it's been a good deal so why not like especially sure. because when it comes to a company that has nine employees we will never be able to put the the marketing money behind uh pushing a game out that Apple can put if they really believe in, in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you check like a big releases like, I don't know, The Last of Us or, or the Horizon or any game on Xbox, uh, the Gears of War, whatever, Halo, half of the development money usually it's you need to put half on top of the development money for, for what the marketing costs. Mm-hmm. And it's just not feasible when you have a small company so these kind of deals a lot lot of people maybe even uh, make deals with uh, epic um for for uh, similar uh with similar arrangements it's because it just helps them get the game out there and then maybe in time it it will come uh, to other platforms is not a given but 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 there is always usually that possibility that at some point it might be you might be able to to put it somewhere else yeah. So, yeah, I understand that maybe people don't always want a subscription. Um, but f- for us, that was the, the most viable way to get the game out and make it as we wanted and also make sure that maybe at some point we could bring it somewhere else. And I think that's exactly where it, from the outside looking in, it seems like that's what you guys did because Apple Arcade in 2019, a year later and change, uh, Nintendo Switch and now uh, PS5, Series S and X, PC. Um, now more people have access to Oceanhorn 2 than ever did, uh, which to me is pretty dark. Yeah, and uh, you know, like what's funny for me is that, uh, for example, a lot of the console people don't care at all about what's released on Apple Arcade, but uh, when it comes to their console, it's like a second launch. So they're like, oh, this, there is this title I never heard about, even though we released like 20 trailers at this point, mm-hmm. I think. So because uh, every time we had an update on Apple Arcade, we released a new trailer with the new features, etc. So it's a different market. Uh, it's a different audience. And uh, we can um, make sure to do the best possible work with each of them at the appropriate time, you know. So, yeah. so it doesn't need to be all at the same time, uh, especially when when you're such a small company. Absolutely. And now, you know, 
the newest gamers are getting the most updated version of the game. Yeah, they're getting all the updates we did before. Uh, that also includes all the playtesting, all the uh, bug fixing. So they're getting the best version. Uh, they just had to wait a little bit longer. Um, and I think uh, it's a good deal in the end. Yeah, I, and uh, listeners, to anybody listening right now, um, I'm a couple hours into Oceanhorn 2, and I'm loving it. Uh, absolutely fun. Uh, one of the things I do love about it, uh, while it wears its like homage to Legend of Zelda on its sleeve, uh, I think the first thing players will notice, uh, Tommaso, is you've got a, short, a sword, a shield, and a musket, and yeah. that's a cool combination. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Like uh, a couple of days ago, somebody has been sharing some uh, some impressions on on the on the game. I, I don't know exactly where they were playing. Maybe PS Five, maybe Xbox, um, and they defined it as uh, uh, steampunk and Zelda. It's not one hundred percent true. We are not going exactly steampunk, but there's uh, um, technology that maybe you would see in something like Final Fantasy VII. So mm -hmm. it is a fantasy title, but it also involves technology. Oceanorn itself is a machine. Uh, mm -hmm. So th there is that kind of steampunky uh, thing. Maybe it doesn't look like when you think steampunk, you you uh, imagine I don't know. A, armored dwarf with valves all over mm -hmm. like we don't have that kind of thing but 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 we do uh deal with technology and uh i think that maybe sets it a bit apart from from uh, the nintendo titles or, or uh... yeah one of the the characters that were introduced to fairly early on in the story is jen yes. the automata yes and it's it blew my mind because I'm like I'm in this old sword and shield time. I'm hopping on my boat, island to island. I'm I'm taking down monsters with my sword, and then there's like effectively a robot talking yeah. to me. That yeah, he has a well. You will see later in the story that he has a um, key role uh, in the. You you haven't played the first uh, Ocean Horn. Not in many years, and I never. I don't think I ever finished it. I I want to say I played it on okay. Vita, but it's been a while. Uh, well, uh, Jen has, has an important role in the in the saga, and um, definitely there is more to this uh, automaton um, feature that we have. Like it's not he's not the only one, and uh, there is a reason why there are robots in the game, mm -hmm. uh, which maybe we'll be able to explore in the future. Let's see. I'm interested for sure because I just started. I got back from vacation and just started Oceanhorn Two, and I'm in. Like, yeah, I'm... there's a, there's a, a certain deal of science fiction in there, which I don't think people understand when they first see the the first trailer. Or mm -hmm. the cool part to me is that even in the opening level, like or the opening island, I should say, yeah, uh, there's a discoverability. There, you're rewarded for exploring. I found. Uh, dark crystal that I needed to shatter and suddenly I can find, oh, this is a way to upgrade. And then uh, there are ways to traverse by climbing vines and stuff that may not be there right in front of you, but a, a little bit of exploration is rewarded. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of the design? Yeah, yeah, actually it's funny because we were discussing it this morning um, and uh, the guys uh, told me that in the beginning, before I even joined the company, the the initial part of the game was different. But they came to Outcast Island uh, in the end, what you find now in the game, mm -hmm. because they wanted to make sure that within the first 10 minutes, you would have 
a good understanding of what the game was. And uh, in that really contained island, you have everything because you have a bit of exploration, you have a bit of fighting, you can try your gun if you are trying to uh, shoot down the apples from the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a, a little mystery to solve there in the cave, and then there is a boss battle. So you see everything that it's like a miniature version of what you're going to experience later on just in the first uh, few minutes. And um, in the beginning, it, it, it was starting a lot slower and it took much longer to get to the action. But that's uh, then they realized, okay, we need to change this because we want to give uh, this uh, strong initial impression uh, to the players. And uh, that's a lear- something we learn with this game. And, um, well, it's something that we definitely will apply also on, on future future games that, that the beginning needs to start strong and it needs to give you a, a good idea of what this game is about. I really dig how, because I enjoyed the first Ocean Horn, but that was a more uh, isometric view, kind of a top-down-esque angle. This is a third-person action game, which I think has allowed for uh, some really cool viewscapes, moments where you walk out on a, uh, to the edge of a cliff and you look out and you see this world with brilliant lighting and water. Um, can you talk about the over-the-shoulder camera and style gameplay that we now have in Oceanhorn 2? Yeah, I think uh, it's not only a matter of uh, presentation. Uh, it's also that it opens up a lot of gameplay options because at this point you have a lot of verticality that you couldn't have uh, with the isometric view. Um, now, there are definitely parts of the game where you need to traverse um, upwards mm-hmm. uh, and enemies can come from below, they can come from from uh, from up, uh, they can come from behind you and while in an isometric view you would always see where the enemy is, here you also have to handle the camera and uh, turn at the right time. We also have an enemy that uh, requires you to do some little trick with the camera to be defeated, which is the ghost. Because if you look at it uh, directly, it will disappear. So you need to figure out how to uh, kind of fight it without looking at it. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's a little uh, it's a little um, kind of uh, puzzle to to solve uh, the first uh, couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, the fact that it's 3D also allowed us to take advantage of the game was built on Unreal Engine 4 uh, with a lot of uh, custom uh, work. For example, a lot of work has been done on the uh, the water of the game mm-hmm. that, uh, well, you can swim, you can also go around with the boat. Um, that is not like the standard Unreal kind of water mm-hmm. uh, the, the way Unreal handles water. So our graphic programmer uh, at the time uh, worked uh, really hard to, to to give a different feeling to to the sea because uh, well the game has um, if if you play the first Ocean Horn you know that at some point there's going to be islands mm-hmm. uh, everywhere. So uh, water was a really important element in the game. It uh, to me it was really neat to see or I guess and I know we've kind of touched on this. This was an Apple Arcade game. This was meant to be there. This could have been played on iPads and, and Apple TV, but on Series X, and I look out at that water and I see the reflections and stuff. The game is still absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, uh, I think it's a testament to the work that was done on the mobile versions, and of course, on mobile it was scaling according to the platform. 
So, for example, I think uh, um, some older model of um, Apple TV were struggling a bit on some sections. Uh, mm-hmm. But then the most recent uh, phones and iPads, they are so powerful that they can handle it without any problem. But then when you move to a console like um, Xbox uh, Series S or, or Series X, then you can uh, uh, improve the resolution. Uh, you can improve the, the quality of some textures, uh, etc. So take really advantage of, of the power of, of, of the consoles. Have you guys been pleased with with the ports and and how it's running now on the more powerful consoles yeah yeah actually i think the most excited uh, um <laughs> has been uh, um our creative director heiki uh trying the game on uh, on the steam deck uh and mm-hmm. it works perfectly so it's it's really nice to, to to play on the on the steam deck it's uh well it resembles of course maybe more the the, the switch version because it's in portable mode mm-hmm. but it runs at 60 fps and it's so that's very nice to to see it has to be like seeing your dream come to its best form, you know. Well, you know, like uh, better hardware allows you to to make the the game uh, like less compromises when it comes to resolution and that kind of stuff. So, so it's nice, yeah, of course. Because you guys have come to so many platforms, uh, and you so you had a product that came out in 2019, then to switch in 2020, now to consoles, uh, PlayStation and Xbox in in 2023. What's it like to go to those teams and say, "Hey, we've got this game. We're ready to bring it to this platform." Uh, is it as easy as you know? All right, we have a port studio. Here we go. Or, or are there complications? Or so I'm not 100 percent sure of the process because uh, our publisher has been uh, talking mostly with the platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I can say is that uh, we it took a, a bit longer than we expected to get the game out on consoles because. Uh, I think the process was already started during the pandemic, mm. but because of the problems and the remote work, etc., there were many delays. And also, uh, somehow, I don't know if you noticed, but during the pandemic, a lot of people started to play video games. Mm-hmm. So it was one of the best possible period for uh, video games because they were selling really well. Mm-hmm. And um, despite all the disruption that happened in the, in the outside world, video game, uh, the the, the the industry was was doing fairly well um but that also meant that many of the porting studios that we rely on were uh very buried in work so mm-hmm. they had a lot of other titles to to port and uh, so that's why the it didn't come out as fast as we were hoping but i'm i think we're very happy with the result and it probably was worth uh, waiting a bit longer so to do it properly um yeah so i don't know if this answers your question it does. It does. And at the time that you and I are recording, we're, we're like three, four days removed from the console launch. Uh, but I would have to think the, the Xbox and PlayStation audiences uh, are pleased and checking out the game. Yeah. Yeah. We, I think uh, almost all the feedback we got is very positive, which uh, I don't think it's something we took for granted because as you said, this is a game that already came out on, on mobile and some people don't want to play games that uh, were first on mobile mm-hmm. but uh, clearly the title has merits that translate well on console mm-hmm. we knew that from the switch version which uh, did fairly well mm-hmm. uh, but of course uh, we are talking now about uh, very powerful consoles and still the game is doing uh, is doing great even though i don't know baldur's gate 3 just released and everybody's crazy about that mm-hmm. but uh we are seeing extremely uh, 
positive feedback, which which is very, very good. That's awesome. We had some listeners write in uh, a couple questions for you, and I think they are new to Oceanhorn 2 as well. Uh, Anubis was curious, uh, how long to beat Oceanhorn 2, uh, yeah. the main game, and then the main game plus like the sides and stuff? How long do you guys estimate? Yeah, I need, uh, I need to think now because uh, since I've been involved since the beginning, um, the game has grown or update after up, uh, update. Mm-hmm. I would say that maybe right now it's going to take you about 18 to 20 hours to do the main story mm-hmm. uh, with all the additions that we added uh, and maybe another extra five hours with uh, side stuff. Uh, if you add Tarok and you're really into Tarok, maybe a few hours more. That that is a meaty gameplay experience. Yeah, That's yeah, it's uh, it's quite it's quite substantial now. Yeah, you mentioned Tarok. Uh, I didn't bring it up in, in earlier on a card game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a card game. Uh, you know, like some episodes of Final Fantasy also had their own card games. Uh, I, to be honest, the Tarok has always been in the game because in the first um, release of the game, you could go in a couple of places. Uh, one of the caves in Arne, and uh, if I remember correctly, the uh, also in the in the tavern, uh, there was a version of uh, like a proto version of Tarok, but the rules weren't super clear and uh, it was a bit random. So we decided, why don't we take this and try to make it into a proper mini game? And then Tarok um, was the result of that. Uh, so it's a three by three uh, grid. Uh, you have this board uh, where you are supposed to place cards and uh, they have an attack value, defense value. They attack in all directions. Um, some of the cards have a special attack direction, which does some special stuff. But the idea is that uh, when you place a card on the board, if your card is stronger than the nearby cards, it flips them to your color. And at the end of the game, like the, the player which has the the, the, uh, the most card of their color wins. So that's that, that's the basic. And then in the game, there are uh, better cards and worse cards uh, and better players. Like you can play with uh, almost everyone in the game, but some of them are stronger than others. So you can recognize them because they have a hat usually, uh, and uh, they can give you uh, better cards uh, if you if you beat them. Very cool, very cool. Uh, listener Rithgod uh, wrote in, and he asks, I think, a poignant question that you kind of have already touched on a bit. A uh, lot of big games coming out you know, this year, this holiday, how does Oceanhorn 2 kind of cut through the noise and fit in there? Yeah, that's uh, that's a great question. I mean, I don't know if I, I actually saw it on Twitter uh, before <laughs> before the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I have a, an exact answer. I think that the game can, um, in this case, uh, take advantage of all the time it has been on Apple Arcade, people has, have been speaking about it. Uh, if you check, there are many reviews for the game out. Uh, you can uh, check the reviews on Apple Arcade. You can check the reviews on websites. So um, in a way, the fact that the game was already established and is not completely new, it's helping us because a lot of people were waiting for it. Um, we don't have to, you know, it's not like... Um, cold marketing call where you pick up the phone and try to call someone and sell them something like a lot mm-hmm. of people were waiting for it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, uh, that's our advantage in this case. And, uh, it's too early to see the sales numbers, but, but for, for what I can see, it's, it's going fine. Um, 
and uh, reviews, are, as I mentioned, like the, the, the feedback we're getting is, is good. And that will contribute to, to more people trying it out. Like, you know, when you see a good review on Steam, for example, then you're mm-hmm. more likely to check out the game or put it in your wish list or whatever you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think we have the same problem as other indie studios where they have these release and they don't have the marketing money to... Uh, impress it into the mind of people beforehand mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, I think we released the Ocean or Two first in 2018, I, I want to say. So it's been like, what, five years of kind of marketing in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. Um, but some other titles don't have this luxury. So for them, uh, the current market, I have to say, it's complicated. And uh, this is something we discuss. Uh, all the time because uh, Oceanorn 2, we had this deal with Apple. Uh, this is not necessarily um, what we'll do with all our games. Mm-hmm. So when we discuss like about the possible new projects, it's like, okay, how do we actually uh, get it to the players? How do we sell it? How do we make sure that people notice when there are all these releases? This is a very long discussion. I think we could have a separate podcast about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it is certainly a time of uh, many changes. So there's a Game Pass on one side, mm-hmm. which offers some uh, answer there. But also, if you're not in the Game Pass, then do people wait to buy? Uh, for, I can give you an example of personal uh, sure. gaming. So I have a small kid. Um, I have all the consoles. I can get to play only when the kid is sleeping, which means basically in the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even there, like I'm, I'm a bit tired, so sometimes I don't play that much as much as I want. Many new games. Uh, just bought Final Fantasy 16. I have God of War Ragnarok to play, Elden Ring to finish, mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the the new Zelda to finish. So many games, and I don't have the time for it. So now there's a, this release um, of the Expanse, uh, the Telltale Telltale game, yeah, series based on the on the on the TV series uh, and series of books of the Expanse. I really like the series. I really want to play it, but then I'm wondering, like, I don't have time to play this. So should I buy now, or do I just wait until until I actually have time and by the time I will have time, it will be much cheaper. And it means that, in a way, I'm not in the first wave of customers, mm-hmm. which is not great for, for the Telltale Studios, even though I would want to play. But there's right. so much offer right now that the problem is that studios should start selling time to people rather than games, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a difficult uh, situation because... Uh, I think most of the people that have actually the income to buy a lot of games, they might not have the time to play them. And then you have the opposite um, situation where the people that have time to play it, maybe students, they usually don't have so much income to buy everything that comes out. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a complicated situation. And uh, I think uh, we're going to see some changes in the market in the next few years. Uh, It seems quite clear to me that AAAs are becoming more and more untenable. Mm-hmm. But that's just uh, my personal opinion. It's not the opinion of the studio. It's not. So from what I can see, uh, now when you make a AAA, you need to be absolutely sure that it sells very, very, very well because they're so expensive. They're, they're basically Hollywood movies. Yeah. And uh, you cannot afford a AAA not to sell. So... So I don't know if if you check what comes out this October, it's just insane. I'm sure mm-hmm. that some studios will just hurt themselves because uh, there's there's not enough 
players and enough money to buy everything that comes out that month on day one you know but but then on the other hand and then i, I stop um there is this thing where you can segment the players so you know that a certain amount of players will buy this on day one no matter what and then they will buy on after a month and then they will buy after three months and then they will buy after a year so in a way you can set the initial price to reflect this and i think this is also one of the reasons why some games when they come out now on day one they cost 89 euros instead or 89 dollars instead of uh what they costed uh, just a few years ago which was uh, what 69 or mm-hmm. so they are kind of taking into account the fact that that they will have to drop the price to get people in um that's my personal impression because i was really surprised when they raised some especially price for digital releases uh, mm-hmm. so steeply but it's pretty clear that this is what they need to do because otherwise people don't come in immediately mm-hmm. that's interesting and relevant i think given the market that gamers are having to, to decide both time and money in yeah, there's there's so much offering of such good quality. It's not it's really hard to pick. Like even just the list of games that I gave you that I have started and I'm not finishing. Like mm-hmm. every every one of those games is amazing. And uh, should I just focus on one and not check the others out for six months because I don't have time? Like it's difficult, you know. Especially right. when you are in in this market, I kind of need to know what's going on because uh, we are making games, so mm-hmm. so we discuss games and we ch- check them as references. Uh, but yeah, like s- such high quality and so much offer. That's mm-hmm. that's. Uh, it, it's funny to say it, but it's a problem. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, but I will unabashedly. Uh, encourage listeners to play ocean horn too i'm really enjoying it guys it's a it's a wonderful uh addition to your xbox i mean console. like if i if i, if I can s- try to sell the game uh yeah. first of all the, the 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 entry price is much uh, more moderate compared to some of these big titles and also this is a game that will not necessarily uh take six months to complete so mm-hmm. if you want something that uh you can finish in maybe a couple of weeks uh, uh between a big open world and another big open world i think this mm-hmm. would be a perfect title uh especially if you like that kind of feeling from uh, old uh, um, uh, zelda where you have a dungeon where mm-hmm. where where uh, you have some fights etc because uh, now the tears of the kingdom i've been playing <laughs> i've been playing 20 past hours and i haven't even opened the whole map and it's like when I even start in this game, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I don't even know how much there is to see, and I played already twenty hours. And sometimes it's a bit overwhelming, you know. Sometimes I sure. would, I do want smaller games, and I think Oceanorm would be perfect for, 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 for that. I I'm fully inclined to agree and support and encourage because I I really enjoy the game. Um, a question that you don't have to answer, but it's fun. Uh, you teased earlier studios working on other projects. Is there more ocean, ocean horn in the future? Look, uh, the thing is this, like when you will play ocean on two, uh, you will realize that between the second one and the first one, mm-hmm. and well, if, if you play even ocean Horn chronos dungeon, there are a lot of things that, uh, are open to be explored. Mm-hmm. So that was done on purpose just to make sure that if we want to do more Ocean Horn, mm-hmm. there's the possibility for us to pick a specific era 
there's almost a thousand years be- between the first one and the second one. So there's a lot of story there that we can, we a lot of lore that we can feel there. Um, in a way, we we have left uh, many questions unanswered because uh, there's a possibility that we will have the opportunity to to answer them. Uh, that said, uh, every game is self-contained, so you won't miss much if if you just play one and. You don't have to say, oh, no, I wait until they develop 10 before I start. Um, so Ocean Horn is our main saga. Um, there's there's a lot in that world that we have not explored. Um, I think uh, there might be uh, more in the future. Uh, that said, um, we are working on a project. It's an Unreal 5 uh, project. Um, I don't think we're going to hear about it for for a bit longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, not this year, probably not next year. Uh, so, yeah, as I mentioned, like the studio hasn't done only Ocean Horn. Uh, the first game was a racing game of mm-hmm. everything. So like it's, it's uh, we, can, we can try also different things. Uh, but I guess uh, you have to wait and see to see what's coming. I like it. It's a good answer and a fun one and a good place to end. Uh, Tommaso De Benetti, I appreciate your time so much today. Thank you for joining me. No problem. Thank you for having me.